VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Think we're ready. Are we ready? Yes. Yeah. Want to do some warm-up exercises? No, I'm fine. Oh, you meant, you meant to sort of. <laughs> isn't that what you meant to do? <laughs> I think you meant to. Me 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 me. God, I haven't got the energy for that on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. You must be joking. Now listen, hurry up! I've got to go to the cinema. I I really want to go quite quickly too. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, so well, we shouldn't really do this in this mood or spirit, should we? No. Now today we had a lovely encounter with Ruthie, who has been a regular correspondent to Off Air. And it was really nice to actually see her, wasn't it? She came into the building for well, another reason. Yeah, she was in the building anyway. Yeah. Uh, and she came to say hello. She was wearing the most extraordinary uh, bright green coat with matching handbag. And she had some of the most flawless makeup that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And, and, and Americans can really do makeup, I would say. Well, she's not American. No, but she's lived in America for oh, okay. a long time. Yeah. I think it's it's quite a Manhattan thing to is uh, it to just have a, a very very perfect face. Yeah, uh, it was very nice to meet her. She's very funny, uh, and I didn't realise. So she's she's no longer an actress. I suppose you might always be an actress actually, but she's she's a photographer now. She's got a studio in Dumbo. She just seems to be living a very glamorous life, Jane. Yeah, there were a few things that made me wonder whether my uh, you know an average week in my life. Is something I ought to reconsider. Yeah, and she's got quite a life story, hasn't she? She's got an amazing life story. And when I realised that I've got lined up for tomorrow, yet more hand washing and the potential making of a cauliflower soup, plus Pilates. Yes, no, there is that. Yeah, so it's not a completely blank sheet of paper tomorrow. But, you know, I need to up my game. It's no secret that I need to up my game. Anyway, how are Brian and Barbara? Oh, Brian and Barbara. So they they're are like, the kittens. They're the kittens, yep. Uh, they've entered that hilarious phase where they just run at each other uh, and then lock in in some kind of a rugby scrum embrace and then they scatter away again. They're being hiding under sofas. They take absolutely no notice of Nancy, the, the enormous greyhound. And Nancy just gave them a bit of a quizzical look. I think on Tuesday night for a little, a little bit of a long, hard stare, and then just went to lie on the sofa and yeah, went to sleep well, she, again. You know, which side her bread's butter, So they're she? they're fine, but they're still tiny, and uh, and they are just adorable, adorable, Jane. When are they having their operations? They will be having their operations in four and a half weeks' time. Mm. We are not taking any chances. No, I think we all know what we're getting. Love here. developing between Brian no, and Barbara. No, please don't do that. 
no. don't even. I know I was semi hinting at it. Oh no! And do you know what? We've spent far too much of this afternoon talking about audio porn. Well, I do. There I'm... isn't another type of new audio on the market that mm. we would have put four different excerpts into the program as examples of. Yeah, but it wasn't my idea. No, it wasn't my idea either. Whose idea was it? A man. Was it? I don't know. What was interesting about the audio porn, which we were discussing in uh, relation to an article by Jane Mulcairins in the Times magazine on Saturday, um, is the fact that it was only American accents that we that we were played. And in the nicest possible way, I just don't think it works. It's not doing it for you. Well, I, I mean, I, it's, it's a very, very personal thing, all this. We don't need to go into detail, but we all have. We're all very different. And this just wouldn't wouldn't work for me but i i wonder whether we really have entered a space where people would listen to that on their commute do you think people would i suppose i mean the great thing about it is the anonymity um no one would know they wouldn't and uh you and i have both been on public transport where porn is openly watched yeah. and it's incredibly offensive i suppose that's the, that's the interesting thing you see i would be deeply offended by a, somebody sitting next to me looking at porn yeah um, me too. What would I think if I knew the person sitting next to me was listening to? I don't know. I suppose, to be honest, it sounded more like erotica than porn, yes. the stuff we were played, but it was it hadn't got to the... And I think the closer comparison is actually to erotica in literature than yeah. it is to filmed pornography. And because, as Jane Mulcairn's piece says, it, it is different uh, to pornography uh, because uh, it doesn't involve what was her distinction well, it's no exploitation clever. i mean you're not being paid to have sex you're not being filmed to have sex but of course i would suggest that members of the acting profession who do audio porn are unlikely to be at the golden globes end of proceedings yes they are going to be people starting off their careers aren't they but also i think she made the point that there's a greater uh, point of view that you can choose isn't there so when you're choosing what kind of audio porn you want to listen to, you can choose the kind of narrator. So okay. you have a greater choice in it, and maybe that's not always available in porn. And as you say, you don't quite know what's happening on the set. No. Uh, so I think it'll take off, Jane. I would, uh, I would predict that it would. Everything seems to be highly sexually charged at the moment. Not in this room right now, really. <laughs> oh, that's but, very um, true. Yes, yes. Not the afternoons on Times Radio. No, between God, three no, and five. I mean, that's one thing you can rely on. Between three and five, it's a nice, safe space. And actually, there's so much to worry about. Our show today was packed with things to worry about. State of the NHS, the economically inactive over 50s. And I know a lot of people take issue with um, that phrase. And we were firmly put in our place by lots of listeners who just said, don't use that expression, economically inactive, because I've got so many things I need to do and I am doing. And I'm just not getting paid for them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which oh, no, is totally. very and, different, isn't it? And and you know, I'd like to I'd like to see a survey of how much activity the economically active, inactive, are actually doing. And just in terms of volunteer work, that's largely done by older people, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. it is keeping food banks going at the moment. It's you know, it's keeping education going. If you think of all of the people who are going into school to help kids read, you know, that they, they are probably economically inactive so people. Yes. So it's a re it is a challenging term. It's that one. a heck of a conundrum because we know there's a labour shortage. Um, there's over 100,000 vacancies in social care. But of course, a lot of these people who are economically inactive are doing care for older folk and younger folk and if they were to go back into work that wouldn't help with the labour shortage 
in the social care field, would it? Unless they go back to work in social care yes. and are paid to look after somebody else's mother. Yeah. I mean, all for, I mean, it's just, it's a conundrum. It's a big scriggle on a piece of paper. It really is. Um, but thank you for every to everybody who contributed to our discussion today. Jane and Fee at times.radio. That's the way to contact us via email, whether to the live show or indeed to off-air. And we do appreciate you taking the time. So who was our big guest? What a hunk. We had to come in quite early to speak to Ross Kemp. So we're very well, overexcited and tired now. I don't think now. it would be telling any uh, secrets out of school to say that we both got a message on the, on the group WhatsApp for the programme uh, that basically said, panic everybody because we have been told we need needed to be in for 10 and Ross seemed to think we needed to be in for nine and I felt the frisson when I saw that message when I came out of the tube I thought uh oh we're going to have a difficult guest on our hands somebody uh, who's been kept waiting who thinks that we've got the time wrong and it wasn't us that got the time wrong it was one of those mishmash you know in between lots of other people so I was a little bit reticent about meeting him but he couldn't have been nicer Jane I think he seemed a lovely chap yeah not as tall as I'd imagine well has anyone said that about you do people imagine you're going to be bigger when they meet you I bet Ruthie I bet she left the building going they're not very big are they I didn't, I didn't stand up in her presence I'm not that daft I left her guessing <laughs> okay. uh, so Ross Kemp was in to talk about his new Saturday night light entertainment game show Bridge of Lies which has been on daytime TV uh, but it's been so successful on daytime it's bumped itself up to prime time uh, and we also talked about lots of other things but we did start with the game show and we started with him explaining that he was a little bit surprised that Ross Kemp you know for Formerly a Mitchell uh, had ended up doing light end. It is a little bit like coming up to a junction. There is no traffic left or right. Indicate right and then turn left. Um, so yeah, it's uh, something that came out of came out of, of actually a nice place really because there was. A lovely lady called Carla Maria, who was in charge of daytime and early evening peak at the BBC. Early evening peak. Peak, early okay. evening peak. Uh, and um, she's now left and gone to, back to New Zealand to, to look after her mum, who's not very well. But um, she asked me during the first lockdown to go off and make some films about people doing good things. So people were making PPE in their, you know, in their, in their homes. Um, there was a guy, a really nice guy up in Newbury, he's got a gin company, um, Pete, who was stopped distilling gin and started making hand sanitizer for the local hospital and for the local GP practices. We made this film, it was just me, a cameraman, and my wife's battered old Volkswagen Beetle. And she saw it and she went, oh, he's actually quite nice, I think. He's all right. <laughs> and so uh, 15 different companies bid to get this, this game show slot. STV won it. And when they won it, she said, I'd like Ross Kemp to present it. And they went, you're kidding. <laughs> Sort of reminds me of early evening Saturday television when I was when I was young, which was you know when television was a different beast to, to what it is t- today, and it's kind of warm, it's eye level, it's not condescending, it's not looking up to you, it's not talking down to you, it's straight in the eye. Family, is that a TV term? Play along. Eye level. Is that I one think, of yours? I think I've just, I've just come up with that. That's, That's very good. good. It sounds good. very good, doesn't it? I, yeah. Probably someone else will claim it. Though. Well, within seconds, there'll be a director of eye level at the BBC. <laughs> of <course>. <laughs> <laughs> You can credit yourself <laughs> with that. eye level. Yeah. Uh, what's really striking about it is the enormity of the set. And actually, you can't really do a big uh, light entertainment thing anymore without yes. massive kind of graphics and lighting up things and stuff. For people who might not have come across it yet, uh, can you explain what that looks like? So it's it is a very big set. Uh, it's a bridge. 
um, that lights up. It's got stepping stones on it. I find it, and I've said this before, but it is true. I sometimes I'm up on a gantry for the first four crossings. It's a team game, so four a team of four turn up, family, friends, all celebrities, and they each have to get across individually. Then they come back as a team. But I often view that bridge as a bit like my life. It was sort of going all right up until halfway, and then it got really, really difficult. <laughs> and then I started going sideways rather than the direction that I should be going in. And that's what happens to most people because it starts off with like relatively easy questions, and then it progressively gets harder, a bit like life. Uh, and then when they get halfway across, there is a place where you can go to a safety zone on the, at the kind of apex of the bridge, uh, and um, and that's where most people end up going for a period of time to to collect their thoughts. Gosh. Have you thought about writing a best-selling book about being the spare? <laughs> <laughs> yes, well. Well, he knows all about sibling rivalry, doesn't he? Yes, uh, yes, so. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yes. listen, I was, I've been up since dawn doing some research on you, Ross. And, dawn? Um, yeah, dawn's crack. Since dawn's crack this morning, I've been researching you. And there was a fantastic... That's a military term, you know that. Well, we'll talk military matters <laughs> in a moment. Uh, there was a fantastic headline from the Hales Owen News about David James, former England goalie, yes. appearing on Celebrity, Bridge yes. of Lies. And the headline was... Ross Kemp shocked by how much David James knows about cats. And I am still. But what, how much does David James know about cats? More than the average vet, I would suggest. Incredible. He's so a very talented chap. I mean, he started off playing the cello before he started playing rugby and then sort of moved into football and became the England goalkeeper. He's a very talented, very, very bright man. And, and that's also kind of like sort of true for most of the celebs. The. You know, whether it's the Pussycat Dolls in Eternal or or, or, or the radio presenters, all of them, they're, they're, none of them were... were well, were, Ross, I mean... Were, were, were kind of... You've been a fool unduly. there. You've mentioned the radio come presenters. Come on, well, then, then you should, you're on. You want to come on. Series 3 beckons you. Okay. I reckon you walk the bridge I as well. we'd be I all right, do it. Well, well, I think good, you'd be very good. good. Booking, but it? having said that, it's like everything, isn't it? It's like when you're up in the gantry looking down, <clears throat> it's a lot easier than when you're actually on the bridge. Gosh, can you just say that again? That's very. When sexy. you're on the bridge, <laughs> and also I tell you, I say I say, say this about bridge, particularly the daytime episodes, because the celebrities are raising money for charity. Yeah. But there's a really a real poignant moment in one of the episodes where it's a family, and uh, the two. But uh, I could be careful because I want to say. But the other family members fall away, and this mum brings home the bacon. And I look into her eyes when she makes that money, and you know it's not a, a massive amount compared to other game shows. But it was life changing for them, and and I think it 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 really brought it home to me just how important things like it may be like entertainment, but it's made a massive difference to that particular family, particularly because of, of the economic situation many of us find ourselves in. Yeah, you did make quite a pivot though, didn't you? What was it like to suddenly decide, or what? I think I suppose I really mean, what was the reaction to you deciding to make some pretty hard hitting documentary shows? Again, it came. By fluke, I was I, I was asked to stand at the last minute uh, on a documentary. I was under contract to ITV after leaving the BBC. They were making me. Oh, they, I was doing drama. Somebody fell out at the last moment. They knew that you know parts of my family have a military background, and they wanted me to go out and make a documentary about America's fascination with firearms. Uh, it's still you can still see it on on on, on YouTube. Um, it's called Fatal or Lethal Attraction. In the process of making it, I met a guy who'd been shot 26 times and I went, <clears throat> nobody's been shot 26 times and lives until I met Bloodhound. And he lifted his top up and promptly showed me how he'd been cranked open twice. He'd taken six nine mils to his chest. While he was on the ground, they'd pulled the trigger under his, chunk, ch under his chin. He'd gone up, taken the end of his tongue off. 
exited by his left nostril, re-entered at the uh, just above his brow, and it was taken out at the top of his skull. So it skimmed, like bullets often take the path of least resistance around helmets, and it done the same thing with his skull. Um, and he was a fascinating man because he had, had he been born 15 blocks in a different different area or in that area but 15 blocks away he probably would have been a school teacher or he would have been a police officer or he would have been and whatever he may have been but he wouldn't have been a gangster and albeit the fact that he was a hero in his local location i could tell he was desperate to get out i could tell that he didn't have what we were seeing on mtv in those days which is like you know pneumatic blonde and a low riding car or uh, he was scared he he was living in poverty uh, he had a very nice, l- lovely, lovely wife, but with two ch- children on either hip, uh, hips, uh, the hips, a- a- and a blocked toilet. And I thought the image that I'm being presented on and, and in, in videos uh, in those days was one of glamour, and it's you know it's you know get rich quick or die young trying kind of type stuff. And the reality was poverty and fear, a- a- and no options. And so I just wanted to make a documentary about it, and that's how I started off making gang documentaries, and then it progressed into other stuff. There's a lovely moment at the beginning of one of your documentaries about diving for shipwrecks where you meet your mum <laughs> to have she, a bit of a chat about your family. Yeah. And I really felt for her, Ross, because because she says, uh, you say something about, you know, you don't have to worry about me doing this, because she says, you know, diving down that deep is a bit dangerous, and she just says, I've had to worry about you since the moment you were born. <laughs> and, you know, you have deliberately headed off into into danger so many times i mean are, are there ever moments when you've simply thought this just this just isn't worth it i really may be jeopardizing way too much to bring back the story i think it become it, the afghan for me became addictive and I, and uh, it was in a certain part of my life where i had no responsibilities whatsoever unto, unto myself uh, and I didn't really give much for monkeys about myself at the time, so um, yeah, that 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 was. I mean, that, going back and forth on that regular, frequent basis, it got to the point that the the the, the, the army navy was so happy for me to go out there, and they knew that I knew what, that I wasn't going to get in the way and, and mess things up for them, or be stupid out on the ground that i would just fly i literally i just live not far from where we are now and i'd i'd get in a, a, a taxi and i'd just go straight to bryce norton i'd have my bag already packed by the door my boots my body armor my helmet and with once i remember i was having i was having a pint of beer in a pub on albert bridge Albert Ridge, at nine o'clock one evening and the next nine o'clock i was in a full-on firefight outside of a place called musicala uh, uh, and uh, bullets whizzing past my head and going what am I doing here? But I used to, I became addicted to it and uh, I loved the camaraderie. I loved the, the friend, it's so different from acting. You know, acting is a very big, big, big thing. There's lots of cameramen, there's lots of people, there's makeup and sound and costume. And this is just me and a cameraman. Did you ever think you should just join the army? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I don't think I'd be very good at being told what to do. You surprised me. Um, I think I was watching an episode of, I think it was Extreme World, correct me if I'm wrong, and it was only a couple of years ago, you were in Afghanistan, and you go to a prison, which is actually housing quite a lot of former Taliban members. Yeah, Polisharki prison. That's right, yeah. And um, what's so chilling about it is that what you predict, or what some of the contributors predict has emphatically mm, come to pass. And they were saying, what, you, know, you ask somebody, what happens if the Americans leave? And you were told, absolutely, the Taliban will take over. Totally, and we're continuously told that. Yeah. And we continually try to put it in the film. It became a bit... 
they, the, the famous, uh, well, I was told this when I first went out in 2006, stroke seven, was, you know, you have the watches, we have the time. And it's like any invading army, you know, it's a four to one ratio at least, as we're seeing in, in Ukraine presently, is that, you know, it will take four invaders to take one person who's fighting on his home soil. And that was always going to be the issue, unless, you know, the bank, the money would eventually run out or the political will would run out or both would run out and public sympathy certainly ran out. Mm. What do you do with that sense of futility then? <sighs> Look, wars are generally pretty futile. I think history tells us that. Um, some are not, some are just, obviously, if you go back in history further enough, far enough. But... Um, Look, there's often a lot of money involved. People make money. People make money out of wars. I saw a lot of money being made by by certain companies, um, and I saw arms a lot. manufacturers and uh, yeah, just everything from. Well, think about the PPE thing that's just happened recently. The same thing happens during a war. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything from socks, food, the infrastructure, bullets, yeah, Hesco, the thing that you know, that we use to building blocks, the Lego that you could make by filling bags with sand. Anything, everything had to get there. Yeah. You know, talk about just think about the kind of the cost to to the environment a war a war creates. So they're they're costly things, but people make money out of them. Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from ten to eleven. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Off Air with Jane and Fee and our big guest today, Ross Kemp, who's turned his skills to hosting light entertainment on a Saturday night. He's got a new game show. He's now doing the celebrity version on BBC One of Bridge of Lies. Is there anything this man can't do? Here's what he's up to next. I've done a second series of Shipwrecked Treasure Hunters, deeper and further, apparently. Um, you well, go. you did it. Is it deeper and yeah, further? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we travel further and we dive deeper. Okay. So it is, it is factually correct. It had to be because they put that on the title before we actually made it. <laughs> um, yeah, so diving not only in the UK but on Normandy, that was quite emotional going to the, the graveyard at uh, Omaha Beach. And, you know, I think there, there's a moment in it where I, I got quite... Um, emotional where the, the 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 marine the american marine who runs the cemetery now um and he gives me some sand from the beach and you you, you wipe it across you know that famous scene from saving private ryan those white marble crosses you can't see the names because they're just carved into the marble but as soon as you put sand across it the name comes alive oh, wow. and it's like 
shaking hands with that person all of a sudden. And he chose specifically a certain gentleman who had been in the US Marine Corps. No, all the American Marines were fighting in the Pacific at the time of D-Day. Um, so they're all Army uh, and Navy and Air Force, US, and obviously the British forces and French forces. But uh, this, this guy had been in the Marines, um, retired when the Second World War came along, volunteered himself, got into the infantry as an officer, and he was killed two days into, into Normandy and just outside of Caen. And I, and I think it's, for me, you know, one thing I will try to impress upon my kids is that there are many sacrifices that have been made over, over, over time for us to have the world and the, and the life that we live, even though we criticise it continuously. But it could be a damn, damn worse place than it actually is And, and it, if it wasn't for some of the sacrifices that have been made. Mm. Is there anything, any amount of money on earth that could lure you back to doing a BBC... <laughs> popular they, so, east end set so I, 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 you know, I honestly say this and it's and it's 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 not me being playing games or being funny i just think you can never say never i'm a freelancer um you know who knows you know my days of of running across open fields and getting rounds fired at me probably diminishing rapidly well, we're the sell by day don't you want to round off the <clears> sometimes <throat> sitting in the queen vic nursing a <laughs> who knows who knows do you know um that's not an easy gig necessarily. You know, oh, I'm you've not got saying to, it is. You've got to get yourself there. You've got to get yourself back. There's no chauffeur. Um, what? The call times change every day. So you've, I mean, I used to drive from Clapham up to L Street nearly every day, like six days or five days a week. Uh, and you're judging the track. You've got to be there at 11 one day. You've got to be there half four in the morning the other, the next day. And le- and all that. And then you've got to learn all those lines. Kibosh so, by the ULEZ at the moment. I, I, do you know what I used to do? I used to sleep in my dressing room. And I used, to, I used to get serious security cars. Used to come wait until about four o'clock when I was in my deepest sleep. They come to wake me up. I was like, "You shouldn't be in here. <laughs> You're breaking the rules." Uh, final question from me, and I'm sure Jane has a, a finale. Finale. I want to know about David James and cats. I've oh, okay. We'll save that one up. Oh gosh. Well, our questions couldn't be more different. And um, a lot of the stuff that you make, Ross. I hope you don't mind me saying this. It's blokey. I feel it's you know it is quite a kind of uh, masculine television. But not represented by the demographic. Okay. No, no, no. Fair, fair okay, enough. Let's hear about that. Who watches your stuff? Well, the, the demographic split male and female, it's only about 2% more male. There you go. Yeah. No, I was just going to ask whether or not uh, you would ever consider making some documentaries about the really appalling misogyny that's out there at totally, the moment. Yeah, I'd quite like to see you in conversation it, with it, an Andrew it, Tate. Would it, be, would it be applicable for a man to do that? Yeah. I think, I it, do, I, I yes. think she's absolutely spot on. I think it's that conversation between a, a decent, right-minded man and a, a toxic man that we're not hearing, actually. I think you hear a lot of women, uh, rightly, yeah. you know, being upset and angry. Well, I'd love to. I'm and it just pings off them. Fascinates me. I, the reason, I always say, jokingly, I say the reason I, I, I fell into sort of documentary making it is because my dad was a police officer and my mum was a hairdresser. So I can ask you some pretty difficult questions and then, then wonder... Where are you actually going on your holidays this year? <laughs> um, but that kind of soft and, and hard touch, I think I, I possess naturally from my parents. And um, I'm not sure which one was which sometimes. Um, they both had the capacity to be both things. But I think that's something that I, I've utilised. And also three years of training as an actor does help you when you're engaged, you know, you're a journalist, when you're engaging with people who are sometimes not feeling themselves or have, have, have had an immediate moment of grief or whatever it may be or, you know, under the influence of narcotics and carrying an automatic weapon that they don't know how to use properly, 
whatever it may be, I think you can you, you draw on what you are and who you are to get what you need from that particular situation to make your film work. Well, I your, think your story stand up. She, Fia's absolutely right. We want to see Ross Kemp on toxic masculinity. Yeah, I genuinely would There's a lot love of it. that. Do you know what? And also, you think it would be a thing of the past and it seems, and also there right. are people out there that are encouraging it, or as we know of one person at the moment is being held in custody. So, uh, in a different country, I know you know who I'm talking about. So, I, I, I was absolutely shocked when someone explained to me that, that, that it's out there to, and that blatant? Because, be honest, I've generally got on better with female bosses than I have with male bosses for whatever reason. That's not always the case, but in general, I have. Um, some men find that difficult to be told what to do by a woman. I've never had a problem with it, as long as they were telling me what, something that I believe was the right thing or the, you know, the correct thing to do. Yeah. Well, we, Jane and I would uh, love to watch that series, and I hope at some stage you consider doing it and there it gets go. commissioned. Maybe at high level, um, <laughs> hopefully at peak time. <laughs> never mind about Cat the cats. Qu- no, it's, it all seems... Just ridiculous and trivial. And no, I, no, but it was surprising. Me. It was it was amazing. I mean, Russian blue. How does he know that a Russian blue is a type of cat? He does, though. TV tough guy turned light ent game show host. It's Ross Kemp and a celebrity edition of Bridge of Lies starts this Saturday on BBC One at five past six. If we get the invitation to go on the next celebrity Bridge of Lies, I think that we should just embrace that, Jane. Oh, yes, I think I'd give that a go. Yeah, I think because it's quite simple to understand how to do it, whereas the pointless thing we're just never going to get. (laughs) And I don't really understand the chase. (laughs) Do you? Well, no, I don't understand the chase. I know loads of people love it, but um, I can't know. Well, I'm never at home, as you know. I'm far too busy uh, working or thinking. Right, um, to email corner, and what have we got from South Africa? From South Africa, we've got greetings, and this one comes from Sally, who says, Your mention of the Big Five with Michaela Strachan reminded me of a story from some years ago. Our Italian friend Claudia, maybe Claudia, was working as a tour guide on a whale-watching boat out of Mossel Bay. One day she had a party of young Italians to entertain for the morning. Important background info needs to be inserted here. There had just been several high-profile mafia murders in Italy. Once the group was safely on board, Claudia Claudia went over to chat to them. Ciao! Ciao, she said. Do you know the big five? The Italians all blanched and backed away as fast as they could, waving their hands in front of their faces, saying, No, no! We just got here! We don't know anyone! Claudia Claudia had to retire to the cabin and guffaw into a seat cushion. <laughs> it's so it's so easy to confuse people, isn't it, when you travel? Uh, and Dee is also in uh, Cape Town. She's in Constantia in Cape Town. I think it was on yesterday's podcast that you mentioned having quite a few listeners in the US and also Australia. But I think you'd be amazed to know that you also have people listening in South Africa too. I'm waiting for the power to come on shortly so I can work my coffee machine. First world problem for sure, says Dee. South Africans are pretty resilient and, as Michaela said, many have generators and solar power and we have an inverter and battery which gives us silent backup power to run wi-fi tv a few important lights the freezer and the fridge but not the coffee machine we've got to plan our days carefully as a result of the load shedding that is how life in africa rolls says d yes i mean i think um it has gone largely unnoticed, the constant rolling power cuts in South Africa. I don't think we notice very much going on outside of the UK no, at the moment, Jane, true, actually. actually. Yeah, it gives me another opportunity to insert a Prince Harry spare reference. Well, uh, no, we'll, we'll, no, we need to build this up because this is now an essential part of well, the no, podcast. This is where Jane tells us something that has come out of the book 
that she thinks is interesting that hasn't been glorified or picked over by the ravens of the press? Well, I haven't really got anything really new to say, oh, okay. except that he does have... He, he is his genuine... He appears to feel an affinity with, with Africa. And um, he does absolutely love Botswana. Botswana was the place that he just took successive girlfriends to because he just absolutely loved the place. But what I, I said on the radio show, which I repeat again here, just that if you haven't read the book, just reserve judgment on it uh, unless you yourself have served in the military, in which case you might already know what it's like to go on a tour of duty in Afghanistan. It's interesting that those... We're talking this claim that Harry had so-called boasted about his... I hate to use the expression, but his kills in Afghanistan, it, it isn't, he's not boasting, actually. And because I don't know anything about military service, I thought it was quite interesting to read his account of a tour of duty in Afghanistan. So what I'd be very interested to know, if anybody's listening who is uh, currently in the armed forces, is if there is actually some kind of code that is preventing other veterans from detailing their experiences in the way that Harry has because some of the stuff that that you've mentioned what he actually saw in Afghanistan yeah. I haven't heard referred to I haven't seen it written about I haven't read a you know a thoughtful first person experience you know I've not come across that kind of stuff I've seen it in fiction mm. but I've not heard it as a first person experience uh, so you know maybe I mean, whether it's a written code or an unwritten code, I don't know. There is just some... Uh, he he does a tour of duty in Afghanistan. He does two, of course, but he was he had to evacuate early from the first one because the media found out about it. And he was a forward air controller, which I, was an expression that I didn't understand. And he explains in some detail, it, it basically is about guiding... I mean, this is a really simplified explanation. It's about guiding military aircraft through the night and through their shifts during the day making sure they're in the right place, using the right ammunition to target the right people. Uh, um, it's It sounded pretty stressful, and I think you really needed to know your onions to be able to do it effectively. Um, and I just think there was another horrible incident where he's on patrol and a group of local Afghans come up the hill towards him with a wheelbarrow and a horribly injured young boy. And it is true, the boy is horribly injured, but he's actually been injured by the Taliban as a way of trapping this patrol because they knew that he would be helped mm, by the medics. And, you know, beyond I, evil. Yeah, it's, gr it's grim. And um, throw what you like at Prince Harry, but what you can't say is that he hasn't served in the military and seen some really awful things. Yeah. Uh, so, if you do have experience with the armed forces, though, do, do you get, yeah. us, get in touch? I'd like to know a bit more about it. My dad was in the army, Jane, and, and served you know, on active service, on tours uh, all around the world, uh, and he never, ever, ever... Not, didn't say a word? No. Nope. Nope. So you don't actually know what he did? No. No. Right. And, and you know, it, it just wasn't a go-to conversation, actually, ever. So I'm doubly interested by it now, because I can't ask him now. It's no, and that's the, thing, that's the awful thing. Yes, yep. So, look, uh, Jane O'Fee at Times.Radio. Uh, I was going to give out the text, but there's no point. We're not live on air, are we? No, this isn't live. No, <laughs> not live. No, nobody knows what this is. <laughs> uh, and that's about it from us. Is that well, it from us? Have we got anything else to Pretty much, no. Our very best wishes to Brian and Barbara over the weekend. May their gentle and innocent tussles continue. What age do you think those tussles aren't innocent 
I'm just not going to answer that. I'm not a cat specialist. <laughs> Unlike former England and Liverpool goalie David James. As we learnt today. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Who knew? I think he might have been called the cat. Oh, no, that was someone else. No, that was that was another goalkeeper. Was it Peter Bonetti? God, I'm so old. I honestly don't know. I think he was called... He was a Chelsea goalkeeper. I think he might have been called Peter the Cat Bonetti. And was he called Peter the Cat because he liked cats or because he could affect a cat-like I think it was stance. very much the latter. Although it was slightly surprising me that cats are associated with athleticism when, you know, beyond the age of 18 months, all they do is sleep. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. But when they're kittens, boy, they can move. If you've ever tried to catch two cats in the dark, in, you know, because you're slightly concerned that actually the benevolent large greyhound... <laughs> Might not be quite so benevolent. In the small hours of the morning. Yes, I can assure you they move at speed. Right, uh, more of this sort of nonsense uh, coming your way next week. But have a reasonable couple of days and we'll be back on Monday with more Off Air. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.